Good morning, my name is Joe. My pronouns are he and him. This story of Jesus in the temple as a 12-year-old is one of my favorite Jesus stories. Adult Jesus can be hard for me to relate to, what with all the walking and miracles and the white robes with colorful sashes. How did he keep that outfit clean all the time? That's the real miracle. But Jesus, the nerdy church kid, that I can relate to. I memorized scriptures. I went to Bible class every day. My family counted church camp as family vacation. Even as a 12-year-old, I enjoyed theological debates with my teachers, for real. Jesus was Jewish, I was Christian. He learned how to do carpentry. I learned how to hate doing farm chores. But I'd like to think that we had a lot in common growing up. This is really the only story that we get from the official gospels about Jesus' childhood. And it's a delightful glimpse at a serious kid with a clear sense of purpose at a young age. Like all the stories in the Gospels, though, it's not just there as a fun anecdote. Alexander Shia presents the Gospel of Luke as a how-to manual for service. How do we live out the inspiring, sustaining, and joyful presence of God in our day-to-day realities? Following the way of Jesus is at once both an inward and an outward journey. It's both the practice of generous compassion towards ourselves and generous empathy and engagement towards others. The church word for that outward stance is service, and Luke's gospel is intended as a guidebook for walking that path of service in our lives. The first lesson that Luke offers is that none of this happens overnight. Luke starts with a pregnancy, nine and a half months of waiting for slow, steady growth, and then another pregnancy, more waiting, more growth. The conception and delivery scenes get all the highlights, but Life begins with a patient daily grind. Pondering, lots of pondering in this first section of Luke. Mary ponders the words of the angel. She treasures and ponders the wonders of the nativity scene in her heart. Mulling, thinking, wondering, learning. And just to hammer the point home, Luke gives clear bookends to this story of young Jesus at the temple. The child Jesus grew in size and strength. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was with him. And Mary stored these things in her heart, more pondering, and Jesus grew in wisdom in years and in favor with God and people alike. Growth is slow. Jesus doesn't appear out of thin air ready to change the world. He developed. He studied. He tried and failed. He got lost and got found. He matured as slowly as we all do. So lesson number one in Luke's service manual is patience. The second is messiness. Talked about that one last week. Shepherds at the birth of the Christ child. Rejects, deviants, quite possibly criminals, given the job of shepherds precisely because it would make them stinky and easy to avoid. The way of Jesus isn't just for people who have their stuff together. This isn't going to be a highly organized, efficient, profitable production. This is organic work, as complicated and sloppy as real-world agriculture or real-world parenting. Can you imagine being Jesus' parents in this story? I know this was from a different era of it-takes-a-village parenting, but imagine not checking in with your 12-year-old for a full day while you're on vacation with crowds of other travelers on the road, and then not being able to find him for three days in a festival-flooded capital city. I once got lost for 20 minutes in a Kmart store when I was a kid. 
My parents made such a big deal out of it that I still think about that every time I walk down a toy aisle. Lost for three days in Jerusalem at Passover. What a nightmare. Hail Mary, full of grace, blessed is the fruit of thy womb, if you can find him. No judgment for me. Parenting is chaos sometimes. And so is life. I appreciate this reminder up front from Luke that a messy faith doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. The third lesson here is the lesson of boldness. Luke emphasizes that Jesus was only 12 years old, meaning that he would not yet have undergone the initiation to adulthood that happened to boys at the age of 13. Jesus didn't belong in the temple, certainly not in the debates among the teachers. Even if he managed to weasel his way into the room, there's no way that he would have been allowed to speak. And yet, there he was, engaged in the conversation, apparently teaching the teachers. Chutzpah, to use a good Yiddish word, Apparently, his audacity impressed the teachers enough to let him speak, and his understanding amazed the audience as well. And when his parents got there, Mary said, Son, why have you done this to us? You see that your father and I have been so worried looking for you. Jesus said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my Abba's house? What's your deal, Mom? I'm not lost. Where else would I be? Mouth on that kid. He knew where he belonged. He knew what he was meant to do, and he did it. Social norms and consequences be darned. Bold. And yet somehow at the same time, mature. Humble, even. This isn't the story of the punk rock kid giving his parents the slip for the thrill of adventure. This is a young person following his calling. Taking it way too far, perhaps. Should definitely have told someone what he was up to. But he wasn't being a brat. Teachers at the temple didn't stand for impudence. If he'd been trying to show them up, if he was trying to prove himself to them, they wouldn't have given him the time of day. He must have earned their attention, likely through careful listening, maybe a good question or two, insightful comment added in here or there, until they recognized that, hey, this guy has something worth listening to. His audience had to have been earned, not demanded. And when his parents caught up to him, Jesus treated them with respect, gave a genuine, if slightly self-absorbed, answer, and he went with them back to Nazareth, back to the workshop, back to obedience. This is a fascinating portrait of a young man who was learning to balance boldness with maturity. He clearly knew who he was. He also had some awareness that this was not yet his time. There would be a time to speak to command attention, for sure, in that very temple. But right now, this was a time to listen and learn and obey and grow. Jesus grew in wisdom, in years, and in favor with God and people alike. As I said last week, Luke is writing to a newish generation of Jesus followers, finally forced to accept that their connection with Judaism was severed irreparably. They were going to have to become something entirely new. No doubt some of them were rip-roaring to go, we have good news, the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's preach, let's access this awesome power of the spirit. Let's start a whole new society of justice and peace. Viva la, Re la revolucion. That spirit pulses in Luke's gospel and in the sequel, the Acts of the Apostles. 
But at the same time, there's also this call for patience, for respect, for humility and sustainability. Hold on a minute. We need some organization here. We need a chain of command. We need some people to lead, some people to serve. We need solid institutional guidelines, sober leaders, strong doctrine. The work of Jesus calls for boldness and maturity held together. This one winter on the playground after school, I saw these three kids ganging up on the other kid. This one kid had found some amazing icicles, carefully had put them into a hiding spot so that he would be able to find them the next day and share them with his friends. These other kids were having fun smashing icicles. So they saw that the first kid had these big ones. They wanted to take them from him and smash them. I heard the kid explain carefully, well, hey, I'm saving these icicles. These are special, please don't break them. But as soon as his back was turned, the three kids raided his hiding spot, grabbed the icicles and started stomping on them. Now I've always had a strong passion for underdog justice and I wasn't gonna let this happen. So I joined the fray. I raced over there yelling, hey, what are you doing? Those don't belong to you. Put them back, leave them alone. Oh yeah, those kids, they backed right off, let me tell you. I really showed them. Captain America right here, land of the free, home of the brave. Very bold indeed. Only trouble with this story is that this was last winter. 40-year-old man on the playground, screaming at a couple of five-year-olds. Not a good look. I still think I had a point. It was my kid that they were picking on. I had to do something, but the mom of those other kids didn't really see it that way. I had to keep my head down at school pickup time for the next couple of months. Good thing I was wearing a mask. I was bold, for sure, but not particularly mature. That limited my effectiveness, to say the least. We see lots of examples of that kind of boldness these days, at least on the corners of the internet where I hang out. Shaming the, Char the Karens and the Chads, owning the libs, reveling in the stupidity of those who are anti whatever it is that I'm a pro of, making memes and clever sound bites that mostly just serve to make me feel superior. Name your issue and there's a whole raft of material out there that absolutely shreds the positions and the people on the other side. Some of that is brushed aside as it's well-intentioned humor. This is self-expression. This is the little guys punching up at those with power or the definitely not fifth grade. Well, they started it. I get it. I love the comedy. I love the debate. I love the rush of watching someone who agrees with me expose the shallowness and the flawed reasoning of my political and social and spiritual opposites. And there is a definite need for bold action these days. Someone has to stop the bullies crushing icicles just because they can. Serving others doesn't only mean picking up the pieces afterwards. Service is getting in there, protecting people and the planet, standing in the way, changing laws, taking down institutions that do more harm than good. It is all of that and the way that we go about it matters. Can we act boldly without othering those who see things differently? Can we stand in solidarity with victims of injustice 
without dehumanizing those who live unjustly. We'd better because those who live unjustly is a pretty wide circle that I'm often on the wrong side of myself. What I do to others is also what I do to myself. I love how Brian McLaren puts it. How do you oppose hostility without becoming hostile against its promoters? How do you oppose division without dividing from dividers? How do you oppose exclusion without excluding excluders? How do you rage without raging against the ragers? How do you distinguish yourself from those who need enemies to know who they are without rendering them the enemy by whom you know who you are? I find myself raging against the ragers an awful lot these days. And what does that do to the debate, to the common good? What does that do within me? Boldness demands to be paired with humility, maturity, to grow in wisdom and experience and in right relationship with God and with our neighbors. And that's only half of the equation. The other half is that maturity also demands bold engagement. It's not enough to sit back and analyze and empathize, to grow in wisdom without sharing that experience. I couldn't think of a good example from my life because stories that go, well, I saw something that I knew was wrong and then I didn't do anything about it. Those stories aren't very interesting. That playground story from earlier has stayed with me because it is quite out of character for me. I'm usually the, well, let those kids sort it out themselves type of parent on the playground. And that's not just avoiding conflict. There is a place for allowing others to make their mistakes and work out their problems without my intervention. The world is not just longing for me to step in and fix it. But I do have things to offer. I have resources. I have education and experience. I have a voice, I have a pulpit. Apparently I even have a YouTube channel. And I'm made in the very image of God, filled with the spirit of the Christ. So I can't just sit this one out. I'm no savior, but I am involved, connected, what I do matters. When Jesus' parents found him in the temple in Jerusalem, he said something like, why were you so worried about me? Didn't you know that this is where I would be doing the things of my father God? Of course I'm involved. I'm God's kid. God's work is my work. So to take that a step broader, Luke's audience was beginning to see that God's presence was so much bigger than one building, one religion. The whole thing is God's temple. It's all God's house. It's all God's work. So where else could I be? I'm here, so I join the conversation. I get in the game. Wherever I am, I do the work of God. I do the things that I am made to do. Some of us act boldly and could use that reminder to temper that with maturity and wisdom. Some of us have maturity and wisdom and need to hear the call to engage with boldness. And most of us, well, we go back and forth, engaging in some areas, holding back in others, acting out our convictions sometimes, other times just acting out. Luke's gospel says that, there's, that that is life on the road of service, this back and forth of progress, rarely moving in straight lines to the goal, but slowly getting closer. To use a different metaphor, that back and forth 
in and out is the rhythm of the heartbeat. Alexander Shia, throughout the gospel, Luke uses the word heart to mean mind, body, and feelings all together. The pulsing heart is an, also an apt metaphor for the movement of our lives in the fourth path of the quadratus journey. We move inward in contemplation and then outward in action. Depending on our personality type, some of us may move in the opposite direction. Nonetheless, the rhythm of alternative movement remains the same. Gradually, as we become conversant with it, we will find it becomes a comfortable and natural practice. From the place of heart, we move deeper and further. Inward and outward, hearts and hands, patient order and eager disorder, maturity and boldness, boldness and maturity. May we too grow in the way of Jesus, in wisdom, in experience, and in right relationship with God and with our neighbors. Amen.